and listening to John Prine's very moving, I suppose ballad you'd call it, of loneliness, alienation, which is a much overused word and yet appropriate, unfortunately, these days, song Donald and Lydia can't help but thinking of a very powerful and impressive movie directed by Peter Bogdanovich, whose guest I am at this moment while he's here in Chicago. The last picture show that's now playing at the Esquire Theatre. And this comment you made, this is, Mr. Bogdanovich is a film critic and an astute film observer doing the works of Orson Welles and John Ford and Howard Hawks. This is your own. And you made a comment that is about small town life, that a small town life is not our town. Yes, uh, unfortunately it's not. I thought that I think Thornton, that, that, that remark was not meant to put down Thornton Wilder, who I think is a great writer. And he wrote a lovely fantasy about small town life, and I love the, the, um, the play, as a matter of fact. It's just that the reality of it is not really what it's like. And uh, I think that uh, the last picture shows a little bit more like what it is like, I'm afraid. He used the word fantasy, and it was a beautiful fantasy, our town. But fantasy is what it is. And yeah. What, you, what you've done, what you've created in this film is the opposite of fantasy and a, a look at a certain town that, like many other towns at a certain time in our history. And I, I hope that it has some poetry in it because I don't think it's, uh, I don't like to make naturalistic movies. And I hope there's some element of poetry in it uh, as there is a lot of it in our town. But uh, I'm afraid it's a, well the book is an awfully good book, you know, by Larry McMurtry. The last picture show, and um, we followed the book pretty carefully. Larry grew up in a small town in Texas in the early '50s, and uh, um, the book is a the movie is a quite a faithful rendering of the book. So this is what you've done. It's a small town. You call it Anarine. Yeah. Texas, North Texas. Which is actually there. a town that existed, Anarine, mm. and is no longer exists. The name is uh, still on some maps, but it's nothing. There's nothing there. So I thought it was appropriate mm. to call it Anarine. It was at a certain time, too, wasn't it? 1951, 52. Yes, those something years was specifically. Happening, uh, well, the, the television was, you know, really making itself felt, and small picture theaters uh, all over the country in small towns were closing uh, because nobody was going to see them anymore. People were staying home and seeing television, and I thought that was uh, a sort of an interesting sociological background to the to the story, since. Um, uh, it's just another chapter in America's uh, move toward isolation. You know, it uh, we uh, we seem to be m isolating ourselves more and more, and getting further and further from the community spirit. And um, the I th I've always thought it was kind of sad that people would rather sit home and watch a television show than go out and have go out to a movie and see a movie with a lot of people, you know, because uh, I think it's a, a shared event. Not quite like the theater, but certainly uh, somewhat like it, you know. Something's happening watching the movie, and, and I, I remember being very deeply moved. And uh, the comment that was made, and that which, with which I agreed, was that it reminded, reminded us of Wine the Sherwood Anderson stories that exploded in the 20s, Winesburg, Ohio the loneliness and the alienation of people and town that was also kind of at the end of its tether, it would seem, too. Yes. Uh, a couple of critics have said that. Uh, um, the New York Times compared it to Winesburg, Ohio. Uh, I guess it has some of that. I wasn't thinking of that when I made it, but uh, 
it has that element. The thing that I like, the thing that I think is good about the picture, at least from the reactions that I've gotten to it, is that um, people who grew up in towns, small towns, not in Texas, but in, say, Ohio or Michigan or uh, uh, Illinois or um, even New England, have said that it mirrors their own experience, even though the uh, background is different. The uh, uh, mores were the same, and the kind of claustrophobic feeling was the same. Something else is a, uh, a claustrophobic feeling, yeah, a town of being, being hemmed in. But you, you chose certain years, or the novel did. And did you, which, which well, the, the novel was, uh, since Larry grew up in the 50s, he wrote about the 50s uh, in a kind of more general way than the movie. Uh, he had certain anachronisms there uh, that are not very important, but that bothered me. And so when we did the movie, I sp decided to set it in a specific year. Uh, since the picture plays in, the, in one year, it's one year in the life of the town, uh, begins at the end of the football season and, and ends at the beginning of the following football season. So. Uh, I wanted it to be a, a, an election year. Uh, we don't really deal with it much, but you overhear certain little things about Eisenhower winning the nomination and Stevenson winning the nomination and uh, the Truman is uh, in office and so on. And I just like to set it in that time, kind of a transitional period, and we were just moving into the Eisenhower years, which were certainly no mecca. Uh, but there was also a reference to Korea. And, and Korea. Now, Korea, of course, was uh, from June of 50 to June of 53, so uh, once I decided it was going to be an election year, it had to be 51, 52, because uh, uh, that was it. You know, Korea was over by 53. So, uh, But the town itself, we come to, we come to the, uh, some of the people in the town, in the film, too. The town... Once upon a time was something else, wasn't it? You have a figure there, a very endearing guy, Sam the Lion, who is a romantic almost. This guy is older, but once upon you, he, he had a dream somehow, didn't he, somehow? Well, I think he had the dream that uh, many Texans shared, I suppose, and uh, since it is set in Texas, we did deal with that. And, um, you know, Texas, uh, in the... Uh, early days, particularly uh, after the Civil War, uh, had a reason for being, you know. And um, that's one of the reasons I ended the film with the, the, the last picture show that the boys go to see is a film called Red River, because, which is a Texas river, which uh, uh, showed, the, the film was about the first great cattle uh, drive from up the Chisholm Trail from uh, Texas to uh, Kansas. And uh, I thought that, it, you know, I wanted to use a film that showed Texas when it had some meaning for people. The only cattle you see in the movie now are on a truck, mm -hmm. and the only horse in the whole picture is on a truck, too. It's, uh, we've just moved away from that kind of uh, life. So it, uh, t the life in Texas has become a kind of brutalized and, and uh, anachronistic mm -hmm. way of life, it seems to me, today. You used the word anachronism a couple of times now. That's right. There's, that there's an unreality. That, that there's a belief. We still hear professional Texans talk, particularly, of course, oil men. But, uh, right. But well, well you know, we, we, we showed a couple of oil pumps in the picture. Mm -hmm. 
briefly uh, because that community was oil community. But, you know, um, what happens to oil communities when all the oil's taken up? It just turns into a ghost town like the old gold rush days, you know? And oil is such an ugly... Uh, um, oh, I don't know what, it, what to say. It's such an ugly material somehow. And it it uh, it ruins the land in a way. It's uh, I've always thought it was kind of a symbolically yeah. ugly. I remember Woody Guthrie talking about that. His Oklahoma town was a boom town, and yeah. what happened to it later. See, but the point is, the, the film does have a lyric quality, as a poetic quality, and the young two young guys in it will come to the girl too, and to the mother, and to the coach's wife. Loneliness. The two young guys here are two Timothy Bottoms, who was Johnny, and Johnny got his gun. And Sunny here in your film. It's, it's full of life, a certain curiosity, innocence about him too, isn't there? Any yeah, and he's just trapped in, in a in, in a in a way of life that uh, he can't find a, a, a an avenue of escape. You know, Jeff Bridges, who plays Dwayne, his best friend, uh, gets out of the town by going to Korea. His last line is a see in a year or two if I don't get shot, you know, and uh, one wonders, you know, you don't know if he's going to come back or if if he lives through the Korean War, whether he'll ever come back. Uh, it's kind of a sad movie, isn't it, when I think about and yet, it? No, it's sad, but it's also something else. There's, it's uh, And nostalgia isn't the word either, you see. It's not, it's not uh, a hazy kind of nostalgia. It's something, it's something to look at ourselves, too. At our, our, maybe I hate to be pretentious about this, but, but look at our society, what happened to it at a certain moment in our history, in little towns drying up, the kids go to big cities or go to war, you know. Yeah, that's right. And it is a picture of, uh, of a way of life that uh, I'm afraid is still going on, you know. Uh, when they asked me to think up a, we talked about what was going to be in the ads, and uh, I said, and they had all kinds of flowery stuff for the ads before the reviews came out. And I said, don't say anything. Just say, Anarene, Texas, 1951. Nothing much has changed. Mm. Yeah. And because I don't think that much has changed in those small towns, even though, uh, uh, you, you know, I went back to, when I was doing the picture, we went to a lot of locations looking for the right town for the picture. And those towns haven't changed much in 20 years. Uh, maybe there's a few more television antennas, and there's certainly less movie theaters. Um, but the life in the town is still as bewilderingly bleak as it yeah. was then. Yeah. Funny, we'll come back to the matter of TV, something you mentioned earlier. Well, perhaps even now, I don't want to lose that theme, though, of losers, because I, I, I liked the film immediately when the football team Lost <laughs> was being everything. kidded. Because yeah. uh, we think so much of number one, and yeah. well, I notice more and more people now, a server recently showed that uh, a surprisingly large minority of Americans are not interested in being number one anymore. But we hear, of course, on football fields all the time, coaches and politicians, and these are not number one. No, the in this town. no, they. Uh, it's right from the first first dialogue in the picture. Is um, Sam says to Sonny, "I'm surprised you had the nerve to come in here after that stomping you all took last night." You know, and it's a joke, that's sort of a running joke that they, you know, they lose by large margins. Um, no, the town is they're not good for much, <laughs> but but they're human beings and um, they're. Uh, you know, uh, I think that s some uh, some amount of sympathy has to be 
shown for people like that. You know, the book is somewhat more sardonic than the movie. Um, not because Larry, uh, I guess because he was, he really grew up in that period and, and perhaps isn't quite as uh, romantic about it or uh, he, um, he's more bitter, I think. Uh, not having actually grown up in a small town, I grew up in New York, uh, I have a slightly more uh, uh, objective view of it. It's funny, you're detached at the same time you're caught. Yeah. The two is both, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, very true. I mean, now, three, there are several centers to a town such as this. There was, there was the movie house that Sam the Lion ran, the restaurant, of course. The cafe, yeah, and, and the, the pool hall. And the pool hall. Where they play pool and snooker and dominoes. And... Um, uh, Sam, it's sort of symbolic, I suppose, that Sam owns all three of them in the story. And uh, then the picture show, he dies and the picture show closes and uh, uh, Sonny inherits the pool hall. So he, in a sense, takes Sam's position uh, in the town. And he's a decent fellow, unlike his best friend who has elements of meanness about him. Sonny is pretty sweet. And um, he doesn't have, however, the the stature that Sam had because he didn't live through those more uh, glamorous times. Mm. Now, something else here in uh, dealing with sexual relationships, you know, the various hang-ups that were there and also the what happens out of circumstance, too. Take Sonny and uh, the lonely wife that Cloris Leachman plays <coughs> of the coach. Wasn't she good? Fantastic. Yeah. Good performance. She's a good actress. Um, well, yeah, it's one of those. One of those, as you say, it's it's just one of those things that happens. You know, uh, I I was very careful making the picture not to have her vamp him in any way. It just sort of they both sort of stumble into this this, this affair. Um, Sonny thinks very little of her the first time he meets her. You know, he'd like to get the hell out of there. In fact, and. Um, it's just these two lonely people who sort of stumble into a relationship, and um, in fact, Sonny s treats her kind of badly in a kind of a uh, offhand way. He doesn't mean to. No, uh, something else there isn't there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm. Fine. I think the need. I think there was a uh, the word need comes to my mind. The need for each other. For each other. Trouble need. Which is why the I ended the picture with that scene, and and we had a little bit of. A disagreement with the producers who felt that the scene was unnecessary. Um, they didn't feel that once I sh shot it, uh, but they we were worried. They were worried about it before I made it. It's the last scene in the book, and it seemed to me the most powerful scene in the story, uh, because these two lonely people, neither of whom really, well, she needs him uh, uh, more tangibly than he needs her, but because. Uh, she has such a bleak existence with her husband, but um, football when coach, they which I'm interested. Football yeah. coach, and when they when they reach out to each other at the end, uh, it, it's not a reaching out that that is like a happy ending. You you don't feel that uh, they're you know uh, fated to be together mm -hmm. forever. It's just this you know uh, respite that they have, and uh, but I always thought it was kind of a hopeful ending. You know yeah. that they were reaching across a void. And um, then you have the girls coming to the song I was playing at the beginning, Donald and Lydia, although you, in, in, the, in the film, there are songs. But these are real jukebox songs that you have. No, no, there was no score for this. No, in the picture we used uh, about 25 or 30 of the actual hit records of the time. 
Uh, we didn't re-record the records, we used the real mm -hmm. records. In fact, we had some trouble finding some of them. Um, you know, and, and a country western, a lot of Hank Williams, who was uh, the king of country western music then, and uh, still the dean of it, I suppose. And um, then we had, uh, you know, Eddie Fisher and, and um, Johnny Ray and Frankie Lane and um, Hank Snow, a lot of them. They're, they're going to be out on an album, in fact, the, the songs. And uh, that was an early decision that I made, something that appealed to me about doing the picture was finding the um, old songs and using them instead of having a score. But I did that in my first picture, too, in Targets. Which I don't believe you've seen. Have no, you? I didn't. Which is a story. It's a modern-day story, and I, I, I didn't use a score in that either. I can't seem to get myself to use a score. I, I just did a comedy with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill, and most of the music in that is going to be Muzak, which mm. you hear uh, when you're in a hotel or mm -hmm. in an elevator. Elevator, going to dentist's yeah. office. Yeah. yeah, and there won't be a score in that either. That's so. good. I like that. <laughs> I come back to also now. I come to a very. Well, I'd, I'll add one thing. Is I, always, I think music is overused in pictures. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you look at a movie, certain movies, without a score, if you were to take the, imagine the movie without a score, you'll find that a great many of the points and the uh, emotion is generated by the music rather than the visual uh, 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 yeah. effects. And it seems to me if we're in a visual medium that we shouldn't, shouldn't rely on the... Mm -hmm music to m move us. You might know. be described as the, the Dmitry Tiamkin uh, crutch. That's right, and think about Love Story, for instance, which uh, didn't move me, but certainly moved a lot of people. Think about, uh, the, I, I you can't imagine it without the music, which was this sort of sentimental... Uh, I just can't imagine it. But <laughs> <laughs> well. well, go ahead, I want to come back to this matter yeah. of uh, other people, other girl. Very, very remarkable performance by Sybil Shepherd, The Ambivalence. Here's the pretty, the pretty girl of the town, and yet tremendous perversity. Yes, and and uh, and kind of uh, uh, pathetic. I thought also, uh, she's a victim as much as she, even though she causes a lot of unhappiness in the story. I think she is as much a victim as the people she victimizes. Don't you? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I thought it was what a fascinating character. See what made her behave as she did. That's interesting. The the. She has a rather distracted woman, her mother, who, who knows the world pretty well. Yeah. Who has suitors, of course. Yes, who, who, has, um, who has a lot of affairs, uh, apart from her marriage. Uh, she's sort of bored in her marriage, too, and m made the wrong move, you know. And, uh, yes, yeah, she advises her sort of to not marry Duane. It's, it's kind of a fun, I don't want to give it away. No, it's I a fun but but she's a it's a I think yeah I, I like that character a lot JC Farrow I, I thought she was uh, yeah. uh, uh, she, she had another avenue of escape which is money and yet she's I think kind of trapped by her background and her heritage as much as any of the other characters. There's a very very uh, remarkable scene there I think when uh, she seemingly is going to get married elope with Sonny the police car for the moment, it seemed she was glad. She got a good delight there. Yes, she's glad because she really didn't want to go through with it. What she really wanted was to be talked about in the town. You know, she wanted to have notoriety. In the book, there's several scenes which we didn't do where it's clear that the, time, the times that she likes to make, make a pet a neck most is when other people are watching. 
She likes to be a, a, a celebrity. How'd you come into something there? You just said celebrity. Basically, this is a picture dealing with, I use the word losery, non-celebrities. Yes. And uh, there they are, you know, almost anonymous figures. Each one is an individual. Yeah. And this is what the town, the towns, and indeed cities do. You're talking about another, something that's terrible, not number one, Dred. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did a book about that, didn't you? Uh, isn't Division Street uh, they deal, deal with those kind of people? They did. <laughs> the people in it, they put it together. Yeah, well, yeah. it deals with them. It's a theme that's written about a lot, and in this case, people themselves tell about it. But it's uh, more and more, I think it becomes a subject with so much work. Your job is, what you've done is so beautiful. Thank I'm you. I'm thinking also about <coughs> the men whom you've observed, the directors, and before the conversation began on tape, I was saying I thought of Magnificent Ambersons, Orson Welles, whom you admire, recapturing the Booth Tarkington era. Era of Indiana, yeah. turn of the century. Yeah, well, you know, the, that was a story really about the end of an era brought about by the coming of the automobile. And, uh, of course, the automobile had a tremendous sociological effect, which is still being felt. Um, I imagine television did, too, in a more subtle way. It didn't pollute the environment the way the automobile did. It's sad that that picture was so recut by the studio. If that picture had been, I've read the original uh, and, and final uh, shooting uh, script of that movie. If that film had been um, released and it was intact today, the way it was made, it would be an incredible uh, um, prophetic film because it deals with uh, the coming of the automobile and the, the way it pollutes the, the cities. Mm -hmm and um, pollutes the well, environment. That, the original script, that was In the there. original script, though, that was dealt with quite a bit. Oh, and a lot of people move out of the town, move out of the city proper because of the pollution. They're looking for a place where there's no smog. And, uh, my God, it was prophetic, you know, these scenes that they had, talking about how the automobile is uh, a wonderful thing, but maybe it, in 20 or 30 years it won't be thought of as so good and maybe in fact it'll bring about the uh, destruction of uh, yeah. of uh, cities and, and air. When did Wells make that now? So made it, imagine, in 1942, 42, so before it was ever a yeah. issue, you know, and he, a lot of that was something that he added to the Tarkington book, which is a good book too, but he added that and uh, uh, God, it was a good movie before they chopped it up and it still a, shows you how good a movie it was when you realize how good a movie it still is, despite mm. the fact that almost an hour of it is removed. Yeah. It was a two-hour and 15-minute movie, and it's now an hour and a half. So, gee, you know, imagine what they took That's out. That's funny. I'm thinking is the magnificent Ambersons deals with the effect uh, on society of something new, the automobile. Right. Revolution has changed everything for worse as well as for better. And we come to television. And you said something about the, uh, the inwardness of people. Today. Yeah. You're, the movies... A crowd is there. That's a right, crowd in, a there. in a theater. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's a shared experience. You know, that's why I, I love to see pictures with with people. I don't like to see them alone. And uh, it's an event. You know, even if you don't get dressed up for it, it's an event to go out to a movie theater. I remember going to the movies with my parents when I was a kid, and it was a big event for me. You know, to 
get dressed, and I used to remember I used to get butterflies just thinking about going to the movies. It was an exciting thing, and that's lost because we've got it, you know, in the home. And uh, and yet, hasn't there been a, as far as young people are concerned, a, a great revival of interest in movies? Yeah, on a on a more, uh, I'm afraid it's a more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Vogue thing. More of a vogue and more of a inbred kind of thing. It, it doesn't have the same mass appeal that it had, you know, although, as you say, more people, more young people want to make movies than, than uh, ever before. Make, you just said, perhaps we could dwell on this, because this concerns you, return to your film anyway, it's all related, you know. Just this, that more young people, a director such as yourself, excellent uh, kid from Chicago, Billy Friedkin. Yeah. Oh, is he from Chicago? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm thinking of... Uh, more young people making movies independently to uh, the old. Uh, at the same time, it's not the shared experience of a great many people. No, as not the early as it used to be. Days, right, it used to be that way, and it isn't anymore. And I think it's sad. Um, I, w I I often wish that I'd lived in a time when the movies were the biggest thing going. You know, it's always more fun to be involved in the biggest thing going. It's still pretty big, but it's not. Uh, it's not what it was. Television has taken over some of that. It's strange, though, you know, how people... Television is, is sort of middle America, and yet, and yet uh, so many people put it down, and so many people don't think much of it. I mean, I don't hear people saying, gee, I want to be a TV director. You know, it's not... Uh, it's sort of something that people have to go through to get to do movies. It's funny, you know. Uh, I think what will probably eventually happen, which is, again, something that makes me unhappy, is that uh, we're going to get more and more into the cartridge and cassette movies where you can buy a movie at the drugstore and take it home and look at it on your television set, uh, which is like, you know, uh, replacing um, projectors. That, uh, that, that upsets me, though, because, again, I'd like people to go into theaters. I don't care how big the screen they make at home. It's still at home. Aren't there two ways of looking at this? This is interesting. I don't know. I remember, you know, Stan Vanderbeek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some years ago, he was talking about <coughs> some guy could be seeing a movie just the way a guy uh, has a painting or could look at something or a book alone. He looked upon this as rather interesting too. You used to, to you be see able it? to. I see it differently. No. But uh, you know, I enjoy alone sometimes seeing a movie that I've seen before, and I enjoy it. Uh, but my interest in movies is more. Um, specialized than the average person and I'm talking about the average people I think that some of the enjoyment some of the pleasure is lost by running it at home you know uh, not just a, a, a comedy which of course uh, mm -hmm. laughter generates laughter and I think people enjoy movies comedies more when in, a gr in, a, in a group you know I remember once seeing I remember seeing a movie called Some Like It Hot that Billy Wilder made in, in the 50s and a uh, 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 a very funny movie, which I saw at a preview in New York, and everybody was laughing. It was just, you know, and I enjoyed it too. I thought it was a funny movie, and saw it on television, you know, several years later, and it just it wasn't the same yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. It just wasn't the same. You're talking now about a reaction. You're yeah. talking about uh, something that is done, and there's a live reaction. Yeah. To others besides Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's yeah. part of that shared experience, and I. Uh, Certainly there are certain things, like, as you say, like, there are certain movies, in fact, that uh, lose nothing uh, being run alone. Um, but 
it's a movie is not a book, and uh, and it, it I think it, it there's something wonderful about that shared experience. You know, I think about kids going with their parents to see Charlie Chaplin. That must have been a big event when a new Chaplin mm -hmm. picture came out. And it was I know my father used to tell me it was the uh, biggest thing in in Europe when when a new Chaplin or a new Keaton would open. You know, it was a wonderful thing. Everybody went to see. It's yeah. not the same on yeah, television. It's funny you mentioned Chaplin. This is this is interesting because it comes to another theme related. We return to last picture show. It's, it's all connected. Uh, Rene Claire, the French director, once interviewed him long ago, and he says, I could make a good art film, he says, that a few people colors would like, but I want to make a film that I'm very proud of, but that masses of people would enjoy. That's yeah. the thing to do. I imagine you have that. Well, I, I have the same feeling, but, uh, you know, I'm sure this for the same reason that he had. Uh, you know, there... He brought the name of Chaplin, that's why. I yeah, there Chaplin. are two... Well, he loved Chaplin, yeah. sure. There are uh, two reasons why one likes it if a lot of people go see your picture. Now the producer's happy because it makes money. Of course I'm not unhappy that it makes money, but you know I think that uh, part of the wonderful thing about making a movie or any work of uh, art or creativity is that you you want to communicate something. Well I if you're communicating it to uh, ten people that's alright. That's you're communicating to ten people, but if you're communicating on the same level with uh, millions of people, it's just it's automatically got to be better because you're not necessarily the movie's better, but it's better for you because you're reaching more people, well, which is the point. This was the greatness of Chaplin, of course. Yeah, you know. of course it was, and uh, and that was the greatness of of American films in those days, was that they reached people not only in in America but all over the world. They were making a universal. Uh, uh, films of universal appeal, and and uh, that's why I still believe that the greatest films have been made in America. Uh, the Europeans have made many great films, but they have never had the same kind of universal appeal. And I think one of the things that's been the um, uh, uh, wrong with recent American films is that they've tended to appeal to the more uh, uh, the cultists and and a more obscure. Uh, uh, intelligence and um, nothing more exciting to me than uh, I think the most exciting thing that happened to me on the last picture show was going to New York and and uh, going to the theater where it was playing and seeing uh, 500 people lined up on the street you know in the rain waiting to get in to see my movie that was really exciting yeah. to me I think I felt like going up to each one of them and saying, "Gee, thanks for coming." You know. I think this is the point uh, that I was, I was reaching for too, <laughs> for coming to the fact that the last picture show, to me, deeply moving film and a, a film that had certain standards to it, uh, that Peter Bogdanovich's standards. At the same time, it has this universal appeal. You spoke of people from small cities, other than the state of Texas, yeah. who saw. The truth, that truth in it. Yes, and who were moved by it and told me that this was, you know, the, and, and that's that's great if, if that works. You know, it wasn't uh, something that was calculated on my part. In other words, uh, you can make a film like Airport, which appeals to the masses, uh, but uh, that's a calculated appeal. Mm -hmm. When I made the last picture show, I didn't make it for anybody but myself. Uh, you know, I, I if it moved me <coughs> or made or made me laugh. 
uh, I just hope that it would appeal to other people, you know. It always comes to that, doesn't it? That, it does. that has to be your standard. I think so. I'm, I think I don't. I don't know how to make a movie uh, for other people. Uh, uh, it's, of course, ultimately it's for everybody to see. But uh, uh, hope. But uh, I, I can't. When the creative process, I don't think you can sit there and say, "Well, they're going to laugh at this, or they're not going to laugh at this." You don't. You don't know. You know? You're talking to Peter Bogdanovich. I think he's a brilliant director, at least to Thank me, I, I, on the base of this film. Uh, so moving. Uh, it appeals. It occurred to me city people <laughs> because it's more than just a truth of people who come from small towns that are ghost towns that are still going along and hanging on but also people live in blocks and neighborhoods that are cut off and there again is the greasy spoon the guy goes to late at night uh, mm -hmm. the hopper has a nighthawks there's there's the pool hole too in the neighborhood or whatever it might be or the or the ice cream parlor so it's also about a neighborhood in a way, it could be that right, small town. Right, right, and I think um, people from the city will find it a, a, uh, an existence that's a very much apart from their own experience. But um, yes, I think it is like a neighborhood. You know, I think you, you know, I think certainly city people will relate to the picture. Yeah. And they have anyway, yeah. so far. Its biggest success yeah. so far has been in New York and San Francisco. It'd be interesting to see how it is in small towns. But as you say, theaters, the movie house in the small town is uh, almost is gone. in the past. Yeah. So the, um, it'll, it won't be in the small, small towns, but it'll be in uh, less metropolis-type mm -hmm. towns than New York. Yeah. Um, I'd be anxious to... You know, the trouble with it is, of course, that the, the, uh, there's this silly R rating that's been attached to it, you know, and uh, a lot of people from middle America are, are will stay away from an R picture like Poison because they think it's going to be dirty. And um, <coughs> I think that's unfortunate because I don't think it's a dirty movie. Uh, and I don't think that kids under 17 should not be allowed to see it. Oh, is that the way it's rated? Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's, it's that itself, that's the dirty part. <laughs> yeah. That's the dirty part, of mm -hmm. course. It's a, usually it is that case. It is that way, isn't it? That films that have certain something to say, as has been the case with books, too, of course. The good ones began with Ulysses some time ago. Yes, it's, 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 it's a form of a subtle, it's a more subtle form of censorship, the rating system, but it's nonetheless uh, censorship. And uh, I don't think that... Uh, a board should decide who is going to see a picture or whether parents can take their children on. An X picture, you can't even, supposedly, you, if you're under 17, you can't go to see it even if your parents take you. So if mm. I have a kid and I want to take him to see an X-rated picture because I think it's going to be good, yeah. I can't do it. Well, I think that's it's not right. And there's one other aspect in your film, uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Uh, the townspeople taught someone who was different, too. I'm thinking of the, the retarded kid. Oh, by the way, that's the casting is good. Uh, he's the brother of Timothy Bottoms. He came to watch it, is that it? Yeah, well, he, I had cast somebody else for the part of this sort of 15 or 16-year-old kid who's somewhat retarded. He doesn't speak anyway in the picture. And uh, it's never explained whether he can't speak or doesn't want to or has nothing to say. Um, and... Uh, Sam Bottoms, who's the leading boy's brother, came down to visit Tim while we were shooting. And I saw him on the street the first day, the 
shooting, and I said, Who, who's that kid there? And they said, he's uh, Tim's brother, came to visit. I said, well, geez, he looks perfect for Billy. And I'd already cast somebody else who hadn't come arrived yet. And I didn't, I'd never been very happy with the casting, but it was the best I could find. And when I saw Sam, I thought, my God, he's just like a gift from heaven, you know. He was just perfect. He had braces on his teeth, which we had to take off. Otherwise, he was great. This is so funny because it's exactly what the Seeker says about Bicycle Thief when he cast the kid. Oh, yes? Bruno Ricci. Yeah. The boy Bruno, the little kid, named Enzo Staiola, some kid who came to watch it. He didn't, couldn't find the kid. And they said, that's the kid. Hmm. <laughs> and he was the boy on Bicycle Thief. Is, I didn't know yeah. that story. That's interesting. Yeah, well, it happens. You, <coughs> know, you just get lucky. <coughs> this uh, is what happened. Then you know, the Orson Welles says that a, di uh, uh, <coughs> a director is a man who presides over accidents. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of that is true, I think. <coughs> One of the best scenes in the picture, uh, as far as the lighting is concerned, was uh, a scene where Sam the lion is sitting by a tank dam, reminiscing about the past. And the sun came uh, in and out three times while we were shooting the scene, so there's a tremendous light change uh, right during the shot, you know. Well, how do you ask for that? You know, it comes out almost on cue. How do you... How do you plan a thing like that? It just happens, and if you're smart, you go with it. You don't cut the camera. So there is that question of the happy accident mm. in all art. Very much yeah. in movies, you know. Very much happens really a lot yeah. in pictures. And John Ford told me some of the best things that he's ever had in his pictures have been accidents of weather or, or uh, things that happen. And well, you back have to about yourself, you mentioned John Ford. Y you're a perceptive film critic you've been this but you, you didn't have TV experience no I never worked in yeah. television at all uh, and yours came uh, from uh, film or you filmed only film though. in fact I never even had my parents didn't have a TV uh, I don't remember my parents having a TV until long after I'd moved out um, you know and um, no I didn't wasn't much into television and still I'm not you know people say that television has taken the place of the B-movie, which Hollywood used to make a lot of, you know, the second feature. But it isn't true, because the B-movie, the, the great thing about the B-movie, and there were really, really many, many fine uh, films, was that it, it was made on a lower budget than the A-movie, and therefore the studio didn't care as much about it. And the director was able, in fact, to be much more subversive mm -hmm. in his work than some of the A directors because they were less under the scrutiny of the studio. And so you could get in a lot of things that in a B movie or what the French call le film noir than you could in uh black film. Yeah. yeah. Than you could in in uh, in an A picture. On the other hand on the contrary, television movies, which are only B movies in the sense of the budget, uh are under the scrutiny not only of the network and the sponsor but you know everybody else so you can't you can't do it's not a true yeah, not true yeah. the B movie's gone I'm afraid and uh, and television has not taken its place so in your case then y you were the uh, film critic and I was a child of the movies a yeah. child of the movies and certain directors of course you've admired and written about right and was a fan of the movies before I knew there was such a thing as a director and it turns out strangely enough that the movies I liked best as a child uh, I ended up liking best as an adult. Uh, 
which either means that I had good taste as a child or that I'm still infantile. <laughs> it probably has a sense of wonder. That's probably what's about. Uh, I guess, yeah. Sense of wonder. So we come back to the film, which, which by the way, uh, to me is very lyrical indeed and poetic indeed. It's not a slice of, it's not quote-unquote social realism. No, it wasn't intended to be. It isn't naturalism and so on. Uh, I think we should say it's playing at the, what is it? Yeah, it is, I hope, at the Esquire Theater here in Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. I think it just opened. Where from here? What am I going to do next? Uh, well, I, I just did a comedy, uh, purposely did a uh, kind of a screwball comedy, a farce, really, um, because I didn't want to do a picture like the last picture show. In fact, I wanted to do a picture very unlike it so that I wouldn't get... Uh, you know, if you do a picture that's uh, uh, popular with critics and, and audiences, they're waiting for your next one to jump on you, I think. You're either repeating yourself or not doing so as good a job. You're coming to something else now. This is, everything is connected. Uh, they're waiting for you to top whatever you've done. Uh, this is a horrible thing when it comes to playwrights or yeah. directors. Miller, <coughs> Arthur Miller made this comment. You know, they just lay and wait for you, you know, to... Instead of accepting the artist, a certain artist established, no matter what he does, that's his work. That's right. It's got to be buffo every time. I Number know. one again. Number one, you know, it's, it's, it's silly. And uh, I, I hope I've avoided that pitfall by, at least uh, certainly I've avoided it in terms of subject matter. Uh, some people may think that the picture is frivolous and, and unimportant, uh, but I think it's a lot of fun and uh, it's a comedy. It's for people to go and have a good time. It's like the old-fashioned... Uh, Screwball Pictures. It's with Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. It's called What's Up, Doc? It'll be out in March. And um, uh, it's a picture for people to have fun with. That last picture show is, is a beautiful title. The last because it? it was the mm. picture show was the place, was it not? Friday yeah. and Saturday night. That was it. Sunday. That yeah. was the center. That was the center. It was of the church at night. <laughs> yeah, it was the night church. Uh, it was, um, it's a marvelous title. And, and in fact, uh, it's Larry's title of Larry's book. Which is which I recommend for people to read. It's a very good book, and um, uh, we had some trouble with the title. We had that we it was a long time when we thought we had to change it because uh, Dennis Hopper had made a film called The Last Movie, and we were very worried that people would confuse the two. Um, we finally, I must say, it was the producer's decision to keep the. Uh, the title, The Last Picture Show, and he just said, well, the hell with it. We'll just go with it and hope people get it figured out. We got lucky because, uh, unlucky for Dennis, but lucky for us that his picture didn't receive very good uh, reaction, and the studio has pulled it and so isn't showing it much anymore, and there isn't the confusion, but there was a long time when we, and I was so unhappy about it because it seemed to me The Last Picture Show was the title for the picture, and I had shot it with that title in mind, you know, the opening shot and the last shot are uh, tied in with the picture show, and uh, I couldn't imagine what else to call it, and neither could Larry. We thought up about 400 other titles to, to go with it, and this was the, you know, this is just the title, as you say. It's at the Esquire Theater, and uh, any other thoughts about it that uh, you feel like opening up with before we hear some more music music uh you suggest something by two guys called Framox, the name that uh song of texas do you, that deals with the very theme we might close it's a that. remarkable song if i hope you can play it because it's uh the two songs actually the um small texas town and uh, archer county romance are uh 
so much the picture, uh, so much the same mood, a slightly different period, but the same mood that the, I hoped that the picture would convey. And uh, in fact, I had the record on location and played it for myself every morning as a kind of inspiration. Mm. It really uh, is a remarkably close and uh, it's not Archer County, Bosque County romance, Bosque County romance, and um, it's uh, and, and uh, of course we talked about the music in the picture, which I thought was very important to the whole background and the whole thing. And um, there is a little TV in the picture too. In fact, if you look fast, mm -hmm. uh, which we had to work to get um, the girl was watching TV yes right yeah and Wonder the mother right. wants it wants yeah. to um, no I'm Sybil, Sybil Shepherd yeah the old girl. yeah and uh, Alan Burston plays the mother I'm so glad you liked the picture and uh, uh, um, I hope everybody feels the same way you do I watch they will thank you very much Peter Bogdanovich thank you there's church programs it's used by any number of other community groups. So we shouldn't give up completely on those over 20. Excuse me, I shouldn't have, uh, I, I lost track for a moment of the fact that you spent 20 years accumulating great films for adults before you got interested <laughs> in it. And also, as, as Leo was talking, and as Leo and, and uh, Dick Lukens were having this little dispute, I thought of uh, Father Carrico's film about an old woman that was seen by young kids. You also have this, don't you? The very young and the very old have sort of an alliance, too, in a sense. See each other almost as outsiders, too, in a way. Well, one of them, I'm sorry, go ahead, Paul. Yes, they do, and uh, uh, you know, in the last year that I was in Chicago, which is two years ago, it, was, it ended with the Democratic Convention, and I left a couple of days afterwards. So I left with a big bang. And, uh, and a bump too. And a bump too, because I gave a homily in a in a parish in Park Ridge for which I was fired. I was fired for giving it. It was on a very mild thing on the um, generation gap, but I, I gave it right after the Democratic convention, and about 50 people walked out, and all sorts of things happened. But uh, this is this is this is the uh, in the sense the denial of the generation gap. But uh, actually, in I found that working with adults here in uh, Chicago. My last year, there were 16 adult education programs using film happening in Chicago, and there are still about that many going on. And I found that working with the adults at Main Township High School in uh, Des Plaines and uh, in that area, that uh, that adults too respond to films just as just as well, I think, as as young people do. And perhaps you know, one last go round. This has all gone too quickly. It's almost an hour. I didn't realize that as we were talking here. The, the nature of films, or oh, specifics, I suppose. This is part of the festival that was seen at Latin School a couple of weeks ago. People may ask uh, who, teachers, let's say, listening to the program, may ask uh, how are these films available? Uh, what source, how? Well, there are many uh, good distributors. Uh, I lean toward the short film in the classroom because it's uh, more readily usable. The uh, ten-minute film can be scheduled into a, uh, a classroom, and uh, contemporary films from Garhill, Universal, uh, uh, Brandon, uh, Pyramid Films. Uh, th there are quite a few of these distributors around that you can get these from, but you really have to assemble uh, or know the field. Uh, that's been one of the problems, so, you know, uh, are selection. The are the films categorized for age groups? Is there a categorization of some sort? Well. Uh, in a way, there, there is uh, um, 
anybody that wants to can can write for free to Indiana University, the Audiovisual Center, NET, for my booklet, Film Study the English Teacher, that uh, does show this type of film. Uh, it's, a, it's a public service, really. I think we can turn the tape and get another five minutes or so in. I was thinking, because we shouldn't, uh, I'm thinking about Mike Whitney and the computerized film, the nature of work on it, exactly how, what, no, perhaps even the process might be interesting here. I'll just uh, switch the tape. Able.